Gresham College presents The Rosetta Stone by Professor Richard Parkinson. Um, well, this is the Rosetta Stone um, that has given its name. And it's famous in the modern world as it was the key to the decipherment of the famously mysterious picture script from ancient Egypt. Um, this very unalphabetic style of writing lasted for about 3,000 years. And the last known hieroglyphic inscription um, occurs on the sacred island of Philae, again, another familiar name. Um, and it's inside a building erected by the Emperor Hadrian, but is actually quite a bit later. It's a gateway leading to the island where the god Osiris was thought to be buried. And this is, it's rather scrappy, rather badly damaged. But at the top, you have a caption in hieroglyphs. And very much like the Rosetta Stone, there is a more cursive form of the script known as demotic underneath. And that gives us a date of 394 AD. So it, it had a very good innings, um, the hieroglyphic script. But a few centuries after that, all the temples in Egypt were closed by Byzantine edict. The temples became churches and the hieroglyphic script was abandoned and sank into complete obscurity. It was notorious through the Renaissance. Everybody thought it included, it encoded the secrets of the universe, uh, the mysteries of the high priests of Egypt, and recorded ideas without the intermediary of language. And so Egyptian inscriptions were celebrated in the Roman world and through the Renaissance. In a sense, it was the Egyptians' own fault, because at the end of their history, they started playing around with the script. This is a word for eternity, and it's written in such a way that it uses two images of the two gods who will survive the end of the world. And sometimes they were completely carried away. This is a hymn to the ram god Knum. And as you can see, every single hieroglyphic sign through a very learned theological game is turned into a picture of a ram, which is wonderful. It's just a shame nobody can read the damn hymn anymore. Um, it's a case of um, an academic joke getting a little out of hand, I think. We can do the first few words, but then it um, vanishes. And that was the state of play for centuries. Many attempts were made to crack um, the code of the hieroglyphs, and the game changer was the discovery of the Rosetta Stone um, in midsummer of 1799. And it was all down to um, international war. Um, the English Navy was sailing towards Egypt, occupied by Napoleon, and as the French troops were reinforcing a fortress at El Rashid, or Rosetta, they were finding things built into the walls of the fortress, and as they dug fresh trenches, they found the Rosetta Stone itself. It was immediately realized that it must be important because it had the same text, the same contents written in three different scripts, one of which was Greek, which of course all of Napoleon's um, scholars could easily understand. It was taken from Rosetta, um, to the French Institute in Cairo um, in 
this house. And then there was a slightly unseemly um, episode after the uh, defeat of Napoleon. The Treaty of Alexandria was very much concerned with people getting uh, their hands on the antiquities, and above all, the Rosetta Stone. Um, the French accounts of how it ended up in English hands, oddly enough, differ very strongly from the English accounts. Um, it is now much to the annoyance of all French Egyptologists in the British Museum, and it has these. It now has a fourth language on it, English, um, with the presented by King George III, and then, even more regrettably, um, captured in Egypt by the British Army, um, eighteen o one. Once it was in the museum, of course, there was a renewed attempt at deciphering Egyptian hieroglyphs. And the stone itself is a very battered fragment of an ancient Egyptian stela, similar to the one you see here, again, in the Temple of Philae, in the far corner of the court. It would have been this sort of shape with a round top, a scene, and then a text underneath it. And the, this is another similar stela, which they are all priestly decrees issued by the traditional Egyptian priests in honour of the ruling dynasty, who is of Greek descent. And for that reason, it is a mixture of Egyptian and Greek scripts. As you can see, it's incredibly tall. That's probably what the Rosetta Stone looked like, uh, a reconstruction based on other copies of the same decree. Now, the decree was issued in 196 um, BC in honour of the boy King Ptolemy, and it was originally probably erected in the great temple at Sais in the Delta, which is now uh, a complete wreck. In the delta, there's very little stone, and so the, the block was probably moved in the medieval period when the fortress was built at El Rashid. Why bother quarrying new stone when you can dismantle an existing pagan temple in ruins? The decree was probably composed in the great city of Alexandria um, a few months before the stone was carved and issued. So its importance is entirely due to the chances of history, the fact that it was a Greek set of rulers ruling the Egyptian country. And for that reason, all decrees were issued in various languages, and it says so on the stone itself very explicitly. And this was very important because it allowed the scholars to be sure that they had what they had been looking for for centuries, a key to the Egyptian hieroglyphic script. It wasn't that easy, um, partly because the top is broken off, so you can't do um, word counts, you can't work out what bit corresponds to another piece. And it was taken to the British Museum, it was mounted at an angle, um, making sure that it looked like a bit of black and white text, and indeed the museum coloured it black and white to make it look even more like a piece of Western printing, and scholars poured over it, and the public, for many years, was allowed to touch it. It's one of the museum's great embarrassments, having issued postcards for decades saying it's black basalt, it did turn out not to be black, and consequently not basalt at all, simply because so many people had touched it. And it's largely a mixture of a protective wax initially compounded with visitors' finger grease. 
Yeah, and you, you can see people touch the lower left-hand corner the most. That's where the, the white um, has been worn away. The figures that work towards the decipherment, the physicist Thomas Young made remarkable strides. He could identify certain groups and he got the meanings of those groups of hieroglyphic signs absolutely correct. This is um, a letter he issued to a, a young gentleman traveller, Banks. However, being a good English gentleman, he believed the classical authors absolutely, and all the classical travellers had stressed the fact that the ancient Egyptian script recorded ideas through images and not through signs recording sounds. And who was anyone in the modern world to doubt the classics? And he managed to work out an alphabet, but it was an alphabet that was only used in writing the names of the foreign kings, such as Ptolemy of Greek descent. And here you can see how, using the Rosetta Stone, he could get quite a lot of a full alphabet. You needed um, more signs, of course, to get the full alphabet, and this is where Philae comes in again. Here is the main entrance to the temple. Just in front of it, you can see there is a, a stone um, stand, which originally had an obelisk on it. To the right, there's an empty space, and that is because the gentleman traveller, William Banks, um, found it and brought it back to Kingston Lacey. And they were hugely excited because there are hieroglyphs on the obelisk, and then at the bottom there is a Greek inscription. So it looked as if it was going to be another bilingual key to hieroglyphs. In actual fact, the texts are completely unrelated and say entirely different things. Um, so it was a bit of a false start. But the Greek text in particular is being fully re-examined. Um, it is very worn and battered, um, as has been said. The other person who came into the game was the French scholar Jean-Francois Champollion, who developed an alphabet, possibly knowing slightly more of Thomas Young's work on the Banks Obelisk than he ever admitted. Um, nobody who is French believes that for one moment. He is greatly celebrated, and he made the vital breakthrough in 1822. And it has to be said it was a breakthrough that... Thomas Young was intellectually incapable of making. Um, Young believed the classical accounts. Um, Champollion realised that Egyptian hieroglyphs did not only record the sounds of the names of the foreign rulers, such as Ptolemy, they also recorded the sounds of the Egyptian language. And this was the way that enabled him to suddenly start being able to read um, the hieroglyphic script. This is the alphabet that he devised with the help of Thomas Young, unwittingly. Um, and he was quite capable of using it um, in jokes and bits of writing and dedications. But the key thing is the mixture of sound signs and picture signs. And the British Museum always uses the word for cat, which happens to be meow in ancient Egyptian. Um, and you can see the first three signs are representing the sounds of the word, and then at the end, there is, of course, um, a picture sign. And this fusion of sound and picture signs is the thing that baffled the classical authors and caused the holdup in reading the script, in recognising how the script worked. 
Once the Rosetta Stone provided the key, suddenly 3,000 years of written culture became readable, not overnight, but within a couple of months. Champollion knew the descendant language of ancient Egyptian. Once the script, once people realised how the script worked, it was plain sailing from there onwards. And of course, this means the Rosetta Stone has become an icon of decipherment and translation. Um, round about the time the, the Rosetta project was being um, moved forward, it was the bicentenary of the discovery of the stone in 1999. And at this time, the museum decided to conserve the stone. This is one of the very early meetings. You can imagine everybody was terrified in case we accidentally erased the inscription. <laughs> Um, and it was gradually cleaned of the white infill, modern, and the protecting layers of wax and finger grease, and turned out not to be black basalt, but to be a grey granodiorite with a pink streak. And this is the exhibition that Colin Pillinger um, saw when the stone was for the first time since antiquity put the right way up, and it actually stood on its base remarkably well. Everybody had lots of chocks and bits of things to, to catch it in case it fell. It, there was no need. It just, once it was upright, it stood perfect. And we were um, very lucky to have, as part of the exhibition, though the design office has been unable to track down photographs, um, a model of the Rosetta space probe, which was the final thing that people saw as they left the exhibition and it was a way, a wonderful way, an absolutely marvellous opportunity of reminding people quite how iconic the Rosetta Stone has become. And ancient Egypt is usually used when people want you know, something trivial and exotic to give a burst of free publicity. And it was such a pleasure um, to work with Colin Pillinger, who brought to it nothing like that. It was a deep understanding and sympathy and so it was a wonderful way of merging the modern and the ancient as people left the exhibition. As a result of the exhibition, um, to conclude very briefly, it was decided that in future it should go back into a permanent case to stop more finger grease, and we should also um, decide to display it the right way up. And here you can see the movement of the stone into its now permanent case, in the Egyptian Sculpture Gallery, which happened in 2004. And it is possibly the most visited, most popular single item in the entire British Museum. And as such, of course, it has become an icon of humanity's attempts to understand other cultures and other things. It's had quite a remarkable visual reception. It's um, constantly been requested. This is a replica that people can still touch in the King's Library. Um, it has become the subject of novels, of um, Japanese cartoons, and is by far the best-selling bit of merchandise in the whole of the British Museum's commercial um, paraphernalia. <laughs> they, they discontinued the milk chocolate Rosetta Stone. I'm, I'm very... Um, sad to say. And I mean, in terms of a, an academic subject like Egyptology, the Rosetta Space Probe has, well, it's probably, we can, I think, claim to have the largest outreach of any sort of ancient philological discipline, thanks to the sheer 
vision um, of Colin Pillinger and the success of the project. Thank you very much. For all information, please go to gresham.ac.uk.